Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out, what if Luis Suarez didn't handle the ball in the 2010 FIFA World Cup, which took place in South Africa? So, in the 2010 World Cup, this was Ghana's second appearance in a World Cup. Their first was in 2006. You know, in the group stage, they beat Serbia, they tied Australia, and they lost to Germany. But even with that loss, they still qualified to advance to the knockout stage. And in the knockout stage, they faced USA, who they ultimately defeated in extra time with an Asamoah Gyan goal. With that victory, then they face Uruguay. Now, Uruguay, I don't know if you all recall, but they were on fire. They had a player by the name of Diego Forlan, who ended up being the golden ball, which is awarded to the best player in the entire tournament. And they also had a young striker by the name of Luis Suarez, who had yet to make his name, but you know, he was kind of an emerging talent. And this was like his introduction into the world, really, by playing in in this World Cup. So in this game, Ghana scored first, right before halftime, a strike by Suli Muntari. It was an unbelievable strike, especially with the Jabulani, which is the 2010 World Cup soccer ball that was notorious for having so much spin and a lot of movement. So Muntari, he struck this ball from probably 35 yards and fooled the goalkeeper. In the second half, Uruguay, they leveled the game with a free kick from Forlan. And the ball also had that swerve and dip that also fooled the goalkeeper. Then when you fast forward, the game that tied 1-1 and then it went into the first half of extra time, it was still 1-1. Then the second half of extra time, Ghana got a free kick and somebody whipped in a ball and I don't remember who headed the ball, but it was cleared off the line by Luis Suarez initially with his feet. And then the ball was deflected up in the air and another Ghanaian player headed the ball. And it was clearly goal bound. But there were two Uruguay players on the line. One was the name of a player, Fusil. When the ball was headed, Fusil was reaching for the ball to swat it, but he missed. Fortunately for Fusil, Suarez was on the line, and he instinctually batted it out. Now, after deliberation, I don't think the main referee on the field saw it, but the linesman saw it and blew for a penalty. Asamoah Gian, you know, he was the guy who took the penalty. And this was the 120th minute, and it would have essentially sealed the game. But he hit the crossbar. And then that's what took it to PKs, and Ghana lost. So after the game, Luis Suarez was interviewed, and he was quoted after the game. He said something to the effect, I have the real hand of God now. If you if you know about the quote, like the hand of God quote, it was utilized by 
well, I don't think Diego Maradona coined it himself. I think the media, they coined it, but it was in a semifinal game, I believe, in the 1986 World Cup against England, where Maradona scored. He put, like, his hand on his head to score. So Suarez was referencing that. He said, I'm the real hand of God, and I made the best save of the tournament. That's what he said. So, yeah, so... That's pretty much what happened. And then Uruguay advanced to the semifinal. And, you know, they finished fourth. But this was a momentous moment for Ghana because they would have been the first African team to make it to the semifinals. So I, I also looked at, you know, what if Ghana made it to the semifinals? Like, what if Luis Suarez did not block that shot from going in? I looked at the prize money that Ghana would have received. And they would have received. 18 million in prize money. When Ghana entered into the World Cup, they had a $19 million budget that was utilized for the team. So, you know, whether that's used on traveling and things like that. So this extra $18 million would have been used for bonuses, which is what they're often used for. It can also be used for the Ghana Football Association to utilize for development whether it's development of the youth teams or development of the domestic leagues, things like that. The fact that Ghana did not advance to the semifinals that year, in 2014, when Ghana made it to the World Cup, they didn't get paid. Like, they had trouble receiving payments. They had to literally fly in a plane to pay them during the World Cup. And in addition, their budget for the World Cup was halved from what they received in 2010. 2010 was 19 million. For this World Cup, it was 9 million. So the fact that there was a depletion in funds for Ghana, by 2018, the federation actually folded due to, it was actually due to corruption. So that's one stance that I, I look at with regards to Ghana and if they would have advanced to the semifinals and if Luis Suarez didn't commit the handball. Another reason why I think, like, if Luis Suarez didn't commit the handball, then he wouldn't have had this introduction to the world of a malicious player, kind of. The debate about this, it takes two sides. Some people think that was actually really smart. You know, the fact that he gave his team a chance to survive. Other people think, you know, this was just, he cheated. You know, he's cheating the game. He's cheating the system. So I think if it wasn't for this moment, Luis Suarez wouldn't be so polarizing. I think this was the, the moment that sort of started his polarizing figure. I may be delving too deep into this, but the fact that he committed that handball, he was playing for Ajax at this time. So when he returned to Ajax from the World Cup, he played in this cup game with Ajax. It was like the end of July, a matter of weeks after the handball incident. And he was playing in a cup game. It was Ajax against FC20. And FC20 is a Dutch team. So this cup game was like the community shield of England. So it's like the winner of the Dutch league versus the winner of the Dutch cup. And in this game, Luis Suarez got a red card. And headlines were saying, Luis Suarez does it again. He gets another red card. Just a few weeks after that, Suarez bites a player in the Dutch league. 
mind you, he has had three bites in his career. So this was the first bite in his career. And this was just months after the handball. So if you kind of tie in the handball incident and that red card incident and this biting incident, and after he bit that guy, he faced suspension, that kind of culminates to him sort of being a polarizing figure and how, you know, I believe clubs are concerned about their image. And just after that bite, while he was still on suspension, that's when he moved to Liverpool. So what I'm saying is this, this handball was kind of like a snowball effect. Also, if it wasn't for Luis Suarez getting that red card in that Dutch game, this is when Christian Eriksen was a youth academy player for Ajax, and he made his senior debut for Ajax. Like he made his, his first official start. Not debut, he made his first start. Mm. And then after Luis Suarez left Ajax that season, that's when Christian Eriksen was awarded the best young player in the league. There's a lot of different angles you can look at this one too. The first thing that came to my mind when you were bringing this up was talking about, well, I'll pose a question to you, Eddie. If Suarez isn't do that handball. I mean, do you think Ghana has a chance of going and winning one of their next games and at least getting third or second? Was that team good enough to make it that far? That team was good enough to make it that far. They kind of stumbled out of the group stage, but they played well against Germany. Like, they, they just lost 1-0 to Germany. Like, when they faced U.S., like, U.S. had a very good team that tournament. Their striker, Asamoah Gian, he doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, he was, he was very good in that tournament. It's hard to predict. Like, I don't know how they would have done against the Netherlands. Hard to say. Yeah. It's been a while since I've looked at the 2010 World Cup, but, I mean, the fact that without Suarez with the red, what, it goes 3-2 to two in the semifinal, Holland beats Uruguay. Mm-hmm. Ghana goes toe-to-toe, and... They had the chance right there. If it wasn't for, you know, the handball, it would have gone in. If it was a penalty, it goes in. They're in the semifinal. I think it's right. I mean, they have a shot just based off they were competitive, based off what you said earlier, Eddie, in regards to the earlier matchups in the tournament. They make it all the way to extra time with Uruguay and probably should have won. I think they have a legitimate claim to make the final. I don't think they would have won it against Spain. You know, that's a dynasty right there, but... You never know. It's a one-off game, so. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the money and stuff. I mean, even if they were to win third place, I'm sure that payout would be even more. So, yeah, I mean, that's a very interesting one. But I I don't think I would have viewed – it's interesting that you bring up – I didn't realize that he had such a string of problems once this happened because my first thought was when I saw that play, I was like, that is a – miraculous play that is unbelievable totally unselfish just giving your team a chance basically and you might view it as cheating but you know there's rules around that you know they're not like stealing signs like a baseball or you know they're not doing something like that he gets punished for it right there on the spot so I didn't really see a problem with it but it's interesting that it created such a controversy and then those things happen right after you wonder if those things you know, what his outlook on his career looks like if those things don't pile onto each other. I mean, it's like right after. I didn't realize it was that close. Mm-hmm. But I think biting is far different than 
an on-purpose handball to save a goal in the quarterfinal of the World Cup. But it's interesting, like, maybe he was feeling a little extra pressure or a little bit on edge because of the media outlook that he was getting. Yeah, it's hard to make that connection. I was trying to find quotes of him saying, yeah, I feel so much pressure from the handball that it made me bite someone. Like, it was hard to find a quote like that. <laughs> I was hoping I'd find something like that, but... It makes me interested that Liverpool would sign him after all those issues, though. Did they get him cheaper because of that? See, this was the same time when they got Andy Carroll and Luis Suarez, like, the same day. And Andy Carroll costed more than Luis Suarez. That's so interesting. I love the Christian Eriksen thing that you threw in at the end. That's such a twist. On the basis of the ethics of the handball, I agree with Cameron. Like I think that was really unselfish, a great play. I also think the whole thing that this was Ghana and this was this was the first World Cup in Africa. So it's like that just stinks that they had to go out like that. Could have been such a an amazing story if Ghana had gone deep and deeper into the tournament. If like an African team had gone deeper into the tournament, that would have been so cool. And I wonder how that would have changed African soccer in general. It's interesting to think about like, would Luis Suarez still end up being one of the greatest in the world without that incident? Yeah. And I was also thinking like, if it wasn't for the other player who was also swiping at the ball, Fusil, like what if he had touched it instead of Suarez? Mm. You know, like, how would he be viewed? Would he be, like, a polarizing player? Like, I don't know. But yeah. Are you saying that, like, all media is good media kind of a thing, where Suarez, like, put his name on the map and became a bigger name because of that? Or was he on his way anyways to becoming a bigger player? I get the feeling that he was going to be a great player no matter what. But I wonder if, like, maybe if instead of, if he didn't do that, then maybe he would have stayed longer at Ajax and he wouldn't have gone to Liverpool and instead gone to some other team. And then he wouldn't have gone to Barcelona. If he just changed that one moment, then his whole future, like all the teams that he might have played for could be changed. Because like Eddie is saying, he missed that one game. And what if Liverpool at that moment said, we really need to get this guy before someone else does? Yeah, I guess I am saying that they put him on the map more so than just the skill. Yeah, I, I like what you said, too, G, about African soccer in general being affected, because that was another thing I thought about, too. Being in South Africa, going to the semifinals, pouring all that money into Ghana soccer, you got to wonder, does the outlook of African soccer as a whole, because have they made a, a World Cup semifinal since then? Anybody from Africa? No. no. Yeah, so does that change not even Ghana, maybe a different country in Africa. You know, does that change the outlook for them? But also you're saying there's a lot of corruption, so who knows where that money would have gone. Mm. Yeah. And the other one, too, I was thinking about, and this is what I originally thought when it happened, 2010, was, you know, if somehow he would have gotten his head on it or I don't remember the other player's name, if he would have hit it instead, having scores in the lineup against Netherlands would have given them more firepower, and you wonder how that game would have played out, too. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a smaller scale. Talking about that would have. Yeah. I was thinking along the same lines with Ghana and 
you know, obviously they made the 2014 World Cup and they also ran back into the United States and Germany in the group stage. They didn't get out of it, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't make the 2018 World Cup, right? No, they didn't, no. And um, it's fascinating to hear, like, their budget for a World Cup within Africa was 18 mil and then they have to go to Brazil and that's halved at 9 million. Now, granted, maybe it's because they played less games and less time in which they had to, you know, accommodate for the team for, but maybe it wasn't either. Was that due to corruption, the fact that it got down back to down to nine? Yes, I think, yeah, they were, the budget proposals were getting increasingly, like they were increasing and it kind of, you know, made the government in Ghana kind of suspicious. Like, why are you, why are you asking for more money? Like, you don't, you don't need this much within our sports. And I forget what the branch is called. And like, let's just say it's called like the sports and finance chamber. Their operating budget was $12 million. And then Ghana was asking for more than what they were awarded. So like, they were questioning, why, why are you asking for a lot of money? You know, when, in our budget within the government, we, like, we don't even use that much. So there are, there are questions behind that, so. I see. So taking that further, what is the current state? It's, you said that they folded in 2018? Yeah, they folded in 2018, and then they resumed in 20, like, either a few months later or 2019, one of those. But they're backing up again now. I really like this question, Eddie, because I didn't really look at it from, like, Ghana's perspective of how it affected them I more looked at it like you know when you originally posed the question or when it originally happened how it affected like Uruguay like in their next game because you know without one of their best scores and you wonder how that affects them but I mean you brought a deeper dive into it that I didn't even really think about how it affected Africa and Ghana as a federation and even Suarez's career as his image and everything so that's good, Eddie. Good question. Yeah. Eddie, do you think that African soccer would be dramatically changed if Ghana had gone through? Yeah, I think so. I think one part would be like the players who are born in Europe, but like our African descent. I think maybe a few more would commit to playing or representing Africa. But that, that's one way I think it would have changed. Another way I think maybe is like, potentially it could be like a destination for like retirement. Cause like you see a lot of these players, you know, when they want to retire, they go to China. Turkey. Some are now going to, yeah, Turkey. Some are going to Saudi Arabia now. Mm. So, I mean, I wouldn't say like Ghana would be a retirement place, but maybe it would start with Egypt. Because, like, Egypt, they have some really solid teams that perform well in the Champions League in Africa. So that could be a destination. Wow. I love that topic, Eddie. Yeah, good question, man. Thank you. Yes, yes. Eddie, you're such a storyteller. <laughs> oh, thanks. Activating. <laughs> Thank you for coming to our podcast. We're sponsored by... Teriyaki, honey chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports.